actually missed my flight once because I didn't realize that I was in college. Yeah, I was uh-huh. going to say, you yeah. got a story. Jim was taking me to the airport and he's like, you have your passport? I was like, yeah. He was like, do you have your visa? I was like, what's a visa? <laughs> Wait, aren't you like a dual citizen? You're like my my credit card? I know. Welcome back to the Bull and the Badger podcast. My name is Vanessa, and this here is April. Whoa. April. Um, We run a podcast where Asian American culture and mental health intersect. You got it. I Wow. Did you hear that pause, though? That pregnant pause where it's like, what is it? <laughs> Cogs turn faster. <laughs> we did it. Um, took a little while. So it you precisely know what I've been 20 thinking minutes, about what? during during the holiday season which is when we're recording this i i I don't know what you're setting up for (laughs) but i'm excited china (laughs) you weren't thinking about that at all how do you know that wait okay tell me all your thoughts china could be in my prayers every night oh my gosh okay the more you know (laughs) april prays about china every night somewhere out there <laughs> I just I did it is that even the words? What did I say? The pale moonlight. Oh really? You said diamond sky. I think you're transitioning to a whole new world. Oh. <laughs> well that's a good place to still transition to, right? I mean it's closer to than America. So China. <laughs> do you have Go what's on. your have you been having feelings about China? What are your feelings about China? I always think you've been to China. Oh, we we're supposed to go to China. But now I know that I have to have a visa and I have to beg in Chinese. I don't even know how to speak Chinese. We, we were kidding how about the I... begging Chinese part. We were, it was a joke. It was a doke. <laughs> but you, you, you thought we were serious. I wasn't even yeah, sure. Yeah, because it sounded very like, like Why that would Why would you probably, have to beg in Chinese? I was like, these people who go to China and have pictures on Facebook of their, themselves in China tried really hard. <laughs> they like really dedicated themselves. They to get really themselves slaughtered to the language in order to get there. <laughs> so you don't have to beg. No, but Chinese. you should. You should definitely bribe some officials. Oh, Vanessa, I didn't say that. That was Vanessa Yi, one of your native daughters. descendants. <laughs> I, I would still like dual citizenship. Like, when the Chinese overlords come, like... Why are they overlords? That's how it's going to go, right? No? Oh, dear. I, I've done it again. There is a lot that we have to unpack when our guest comes on. She's going to confirm. She's going to confirm. <laughs> That's just how it's going to go. This is... <laughs> This is going to turn out to be the most awkward podcast yet. What are your We're expectations even about sex of when you... What? Do your parents... Have your parents been to China? Yes. Actually, I mean, my dad was born in China. He was born in Guangdong, uh-huh. um, which is a southern province, which is why we're village people. And that's actually a... <clears throat> Where my mom's family is from. So they're all from uh, southern China, from that specific province, province. And they all speak that, like, 
like kind of a based on a Cantonese dialect, which has nine tones instead of four, like Mandarin. So it's much harder. Take that. Does that Mandars. mean that your parents are small, smarter than other Chinese? Just in general, they're smarter. <laughs> Just cause. But <laughs> Nessa, why would you say that? You don't say that in front of people. And make their parents feel less smart because it's no, that's true. What, I was just trying to pretend like I was your parents when you were bragging about your parents. Oh, yeah. Other people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They they get down on me so hard for doing that. Maybe because you're constantly putting that in people's faces. Yep. It's not my fault. They're really smart people. <laughs> and other people aren't that smart. I'm just saying. What was there? So they've been, have they returned and visited? Oh, uh, I think... There's a time when uh, a lot of Chinese were like visiting their villages, but I don't think my dad ever went through that trek. And my mom did, but it was more, it was more casual. Like usually it's like this whole, almost like a pilgrimage. Where you see your mom you like strutting back. down the street. So casual. Oh yeah. No, she was just like, <laughs> whatever, walking through the villages. No, I don't even know if she actually visited the village where they're from. I know that my grandma did because back Back in the the 40s, the 30s and the 40s, when they were doing that, they would send them to live in China for a little while, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's like second generation. And it was before World War Two. And um, so they would would go back the family. So like uh, their mom and dad would come to the U.S. and they would raise their kids for here for a little while. And then they would send their um, their sons and daughters back. This is like but this is like 1930s China. Like it was like such a different place than it is now. Um, they, so they would live there and all my grandma's siblings did that, but she was the youngest. So she didn't actually get to stay in the village proper. I think she stayed in a city because they were worried anyways. Um, so, but so my mom, probably when she was on the original love boat, you know, the love boat experiences in Taiwan, the original series, (laughs) you know, you know, back then (laughs) on the TV screens, I didn't know the song. I was totally going to do it, but I just don't know it. Anyway, uh, exciting and new. That's come aboard. Are you going to start singing American tale again? This is grandma is expecting you. (laughs) <laughs> no, this is my mom. She was on the she was on the love boat, and then so I think she visited China. Explain then. what the love boat is. Uh, the love boat is a cultural experience between, or it's like a cultural exchange between Taiwan and America. And um, you're on a boat for a little while, but really you're you're just like taking classes on the island of Taiwan. But they call it the love boat because a lot of people like hook up and. Oh, is that why? Oh, you didn't know that? I thought that was a love boat. Like, we love our roots. Um, it's part of it. <laughs> it's more like, you know, like it's a bunch of teenagers, you know. I'm, I'm pretty sure my mom doesn't even know what that phrase means. I can't even say it in the same sentence as my mom because it kind of freaks me out. But, uh, yeah. So what, what, what are your China stories? I'm, I'm through with my China stories because they're not that exciting. As someone who's like third generation, I just don't have any exciting Chinese stories. I only have Chinese, China, like secondhand stories from my Chinese friends, such as the one who is our guest today. Oh my gosh. Should we segue or do we want to tell the story first? No, let's, let's, uh, let's introduce our guest. Oh, okay. Here she is to save the day. I started too low. Started too low. Let's go again. <laughs> Just kidding. Our guest today is our good friend, Dini Jang. And as she will point you out... sound like you said Dini. Oh, or 
Tanini. <laughs> Tanini. Tini. Tini. Uh, <laughs> which is a portmanteau of <laughs> her and her husband's name. But uh, Nini, uh, I met in elementary. She will shake me down if I say high school. Uh, but was it what? Third grade? Fourth. You didn't have Mrs. Halbert set? You can talk now. Hello. You're, you're here. You're here. Oh, good. I can finally talk. You know, we've lifted the veil of silence. Um, but yeah, so I, I met her in elementary and then um, April, uh, Teeny and I, <laughs> that's not her name, it's Nini, um, <laughs> met in like, you know, uh, high school um, where we then became speech and debate gods and goddesses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nini, <laughs> the reason that we want to talk to you is because you're Chinese and you're from China. Born the, in China. Oh, yeah. The mainland. I thought you were born in Buffalo. No, you, she she lived there. I immigrated bit. from <gasps> Beijing to Buffalo Spy. when I was three. Spy. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> my, my dad immigrated when he was two. Does so that make him better than Nini? <laughs> Smarter. <laughs> but not better. <laughs> Anyway, this is a parent topper in case anyone was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like everyone's like, oh, my kid's the best. I'm like, my parents are the best. My parents are better than your kid. (laughs) Your kid will never be as good as my parents. (laughs) They can try and try. (laughs) So Vanessa has thrown a lot of China balls into the air. Can you, you, can you speak to any of those? She was setting up for China Ball for like a, a while. China wait. overlords. Wait, wait, wait. Tell That's your story. That's all I really remember as Tell well. Tell your China Nini story. Oh, I remember the China Nini story was um, when we were in college our first year, you took Chinese. Or I think, was it Chinese or was it Chinese history? I did take Chinese. Okay. Because um, they had a book where it was Chinese on one side and English on the other. So you'd flip it over and it would be English or Chinese, depending on what side it was up. And then you were saying how you're reading the Chinese side. And on the first page, it was like so poetic. And China is such a beautiful, vast, differing country and this and this and this and that. And then you turn it over to the American translation and it was China is big. <laughs> wow. That's I can't so... believe you remember that. I have no recollection of that. <laughs> that's the only story I had. Mm. I mean, I could tell other stories about Nini and China, but why not hear them firsthand? <laughs> sure. Wow, good Like good I call transition. it UMC? Oh, got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What was it? I forgot. It stood for Ugly Man Country. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> Take that, overlord. <laughs> See, she said it too. You can say it now. Say it. Say it. No. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Uh, where were you born? In whereabouts in big China? I was born in UMC. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was I was born in Beijing um, at, at a very young age, and I. Uh, Wait, <laughs> you were born there at sixteen. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, yeah. I had to say something. Were you gonna say something? <laughs> I had to say something. I wish you had said something. Now I, I look was like a wondering jerk. Wondering if anyone was gonna pick that up. <laughs> I look like a jerk. That's <laughs> fine. I'm a jerk. I'm all right with it. Oh, because she said it first. <laughs> 
I was like, Nini, Nini usually doesn't say weird things like that. That's not very characteristic. <laughs> April's politely laughing while all, all the entire time she's like, what an idiot. I guess to be on this podcast. She's really nervous. <laughs> tell, tell us more about your young upbringing. So you're born in China, in Beijing. Yeah, I was born in Beijing. Um, I my name actually has Beijing as part of it. It actually is Bei Ni, uh, oh, yeah. which means little girl from the north. Oh, and Beijing uh, means uh, the capital of the north. Oh, yes, Nanjing is capital of the south. <gasps> I'm totally gonna bust I'm, that my, out. Like, dim kind of knowledge day. is quadrupling by the second <laughs> while we're talking to you. We're just feeling a black hole for you, though, right? Where you didn't even know you had to get a visa, and then you thought you had to beg in Chinese. Hey, you know what? I I just happen to believe you guys when you say things. I I feel like you're my friends, and you would tell me the truth. Yeah, every other sentence. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, so how long how long were you in in China with your parents? We stayed there. I I lived there for three years. Um, so I actually don't have a very strong recollection since I was so young, but we immigrated to America, Buffalo, New York, specifically when I was three, uh, because my mom was going to go to school there. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I ended up where, where we are today. Another yes. China, an American, American. Mm -hmm. in America. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I find that like my roommates who are more closely identified with the, Asian side of their ethnicity like love America more. Does that make sense? Like like Megumi who I I don't think she's like you know someone who's like she grew up in the US for most of her life but her mom is more you know um, definitely like you know from the immigrant generation and she's still very connected through her Japanese heritage. She like loves America like she like cries whenever the Star Spangled Banner plays and like she's like <laughs> you know but I, I feel like a little more skeptical like a little more like removed. I think from if you can appreciate what it is from it from like when you know something else mm -hmm. and like the alternative yep. then you're more thankful for what the country you know can provide that makes sense so my my mom i think she she studied um i mean she lived through the cultural revolution and that was just a very complex period i'm just not you know super educated on that other than from what i've heard from her experience but essentially it was uh 10 years of her life when she was 16 to 26 and she was sent to the countryside to uh -huh. kind of understand what it's like to live a more uh peasant style you know a simple life right um and then afterwards, she was able to get into college. So she was a little bit older when she went to college, undergrad, this is. Uh, and she studied her butt off, and she got a scholarship um, as well as a fellowship to study in SUNY Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And she majored in early childhood education. And so that's that's how our entire family came over. Um, so what about your dad at this time? My dad supported her completely. Um, he actually was the one that encouraged her to even uh, test for getting into college. Because as you may know, there's a, actually like a standardized test that uh, that kids in Chinese high schools have to take in order to get to a college. It's like your SATs, but that is that is the test. It's like the only, yeah. That will make you or break fail, your future. Yeah. It kind of, it, it tells you exactly what your future is from then on, right? Yeah, something like that. Exactly. But um, 
my mom took a similar test then she got into college so that was great and my dad was very excited for her they were married at the time and then he essentially supported her when she came over to america and said hey you know i i will go there too and we can start a better life in america i don't think they were incredibly uncomfortable in china but i think they just saw a better future in america so with the double scholarship that my mom got we were able to have you know i don't want to call it disposable income but more than crumbs Mm-hmm. Um, but she came with, uh, you know, with, with those two under her belt and about 40 bucks in cash. And we lived in Buffalo for five years. Wow. And so the way that I, I more connected to China, um, is because, uh, in 2001, my mom actually, and my dad moved back to China when we went to college mm-hmm. and, uh, Wait, you just dated us way to go. Just, just kidding. We yes. Didn't. It's exactly. funny. Everybody knows we, we talk about it a lot. <laughs> I broke up the flow. So they moved back to China, 2001, mm-hmm. when we were in college. And so obviously for, for holidays and things like that, I would go and see them. So I would go to China twice a year. And that, I think, is where my biggest experience with China comes into play. I remember you, you and I um, emailed each other, like, right after we graduated from high school the summer after that. We emailed each other, like almost every day and you would tell me about the things that you did in China like you would never wash your own hair like you would you would like pay someone to wash your hair for you it would cost like a dollar fifty wow it would last like two hours (laughs) extra clean hair and very well massaged scalp it was wonderful whip around your hair every day like just so that it would be dirty enough for the next day like <laughs> but also because it would flow it didn't even matter yeah well, how did your um how did your feelings or grow or you know, how you thought about china and your experiences grow like you know, when you started going back because your parents live there um i went back the first time to china when i was eight and that was just crazy culture shock because that was in the middle of a lot of um, international development mm-hmm. in China because I think they had really opened some doors for for you know economic trade and things like that and so massive amounts of construction and and taxis and this is when cars really were you know starting to to, to increase and multiply like no like no other and then I went back, um, you know, starting college, and that was another glimpse into China. At this point, it was a little bit more developed. They had a lot more skyscrapers up. Um, there was still a lot of construction, but the cars uh, transformed from, I don't even know what brand they were, but they were like yellow little minivan taxis mm-hmm. all over the place because people didn't really own private cars. Mm-hmm. And this time it was, it was like Hyundai's. It was an actual brand that that we knew. It wasn't some something that was kind of manufactured by the government. It was, right. uh, it was, it, they were people owned their own cars. Uh, traffic was insane, and each year after that, it got worse and worse. Um, now I'm just talking about the traffic piece. I think in terms of like the development of each of the cities, it was it was really really amazing. So Beijing, I'll speak to Beijing is is made up of rings. Um, and I'm talking about really the shape of the, the major freeways. So not, there's not like, just the one ring to rule <laughs> no. them all. Okay. The, the second ring, it's it, everything is at the, uh, excuse me, Tiananmen square is at the center. 
And there's the second ring, second highway, essentially, is around Tiananmen Square. And then there's a third. And the fourth, it's like a giant sprawling target. And so when <laughs> I went, it was um, it was like the development of like... Wait, third The third ring. And then now it's gotten to, gosh, I think it was like six or something like that. But the city is just expansive. And people own their own homes now. Mm. Um, and it, it's just been amazing looking at that. In terms of development. Oh, yeah. There are, there are other things I think there's a lot of uh, stuff that we can work on, like social um, etiquette, common decency, things like that. But uh, it's getting there. Yeah, no, I I think uh, nobody would dispute that. They've built so fast. And it's, it's interesting to have seen, like, um, you know the middle class expand so quickly and people with disposable income, right? Like, I think that's what people are noticing. I think a lot of times when China kind of comes up in the news besides like us China relations, it's also like China tourists because there's this like money to travel. And like before when it was, you know, us tourists and Japanese tourists, now people are like commenting about Chinese. Wait, did I I mess that up? I don't know. (laughs) U.S. tourists and Japanese tourists and now it's Chinese tourists that people have been talking about and in fact I think there's a lot of news from different countries where like Europe is just not treating them very well like any kind of Asian tourists because they all assume they're Chinese tourists which is pretty racist on Europe's part anyway um, but the other thing too when you talk you mentioned common decency and I think that's a that's a hard one for me because you know like I'm kind of curious, like culturally, um, where, where people are on those kinds of things, like social mores, because, you know, each country has their own thing. I know that like doing thumbs up in another country is kind of like basically flipping somebody off, you know, and it's hard to do those kinds of cultural translations. But when we talk about common decency and social mores within mainland China, like, what are you thinking about? Like spitting on the, on the sidewalk? Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. That's what I always hear people say. Oh, well, like, they had to stop that for the Olympics, right? I don't know. I think they made a lot of temporary mandates for the Olympics, but that's all just temporary behavior modification. It's not anything that's really embedded into people's lifestyles. So, yeah, spitting on the sidewalk, spitting out of the window of your car, that is a big one. Um, Personal space. Mm-hmm. Um, waiting in lines. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you just, it's, it's, it's happening in certain areas, but um, it's still very much in development. And I think that's probably what you're getting at Vanessa with um, a lot of the tourists that you see um, or, or even just immigrants, a lot of you know, f- huge flood of money coming into the U S sure. yeah. Um, People going People to Arcadia were- with bags of cash and going, I want that house. And they're like, well, all right. And they're like, this will be $3 million. Done. I'm of two opinions. Like, uh, I mean, I'm not in Arcadia anymore, so I don't really have to experience it like every day. I mean, I'm glad that there's all this like access to like easy dim shops. Oh my gosh. Like dim sum and Dean Taifung and like, you know, like things that I like, um, and had to drive uh, to all the way to San Gabriel Valley for, you know, like just two cities south. But um, I'm not sure what part of Arcadia they are trying to 
preserve. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I would see, I could see if it was like, there were the old houses, those old houses that are north of um, Foothill that are like the sprawling kind of one acre. Ranch houses. The ranch houses that were really nice. But I also, I don't know. I mean, the tides have have started, started to turn. And it's like that idea. Remember, I don't know who was in my class, but like Mr... Oh my gosh, he was like my AP government teacher. He's like, the Chinese have beat them, have beat the Americans at their own game. Like, oh, this is how you get into college? Done. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just like, there's a certain formula that, you know, like a specific kind of Asian immigrant has figured out. And I say specific because there's still like a lot of, you know, Asian immigrants who like, especially from like countries where they're refugees, you know, where they're not able to have access to those kinds of things. So it's a little bit of a myth. talking a little bit about you were saying uh the influx of money from immigrants and how china's changing and what what does common decency mean in a in a place like mainland you know because sometimes i wonder like the way that we relate to others especially immigrants is it is it a cultural difference or is there like a standard of hygiene or do you know what i'm saying like a standard of uh common courtesy things like that you, you talked about waiting in lines too yeah i think this is obviously my own personal opinion this is, it's hard to generalize you know um about like an entire culture but my theory is kind of that well when a when a country gets to a i'll call it a steady state um then we are and people are able to feed themselves and people don't have to worry so much about what's you know, what they're going to eat for their next meal and things like that, then you're able to think outside of yourself. Then Mm. you're able to think about things like common decency. You're able to think about, oh, maybe when I walk through that door, I can hold it open for the person behind me, as opposed to, I just got to get in that door. Mm -hmm. So I feel like China's still working on that because again, my own personal opinion, we were set back so many decades. Um, and it's a country where uh, people were only allowed to have one child. Mm-hmm. They I mean, recently lifted right, that, right? They did. Yeah. They wow. did. But for, for decades, right, only one child. I was part of that generation. Um, and they, they only recently lifted that. Um, but, you know, things like things where people have to deal with issues like that, um, it, it's hard. Yeah. Right. It's hard for like people to, to think outside of themselves. Um, it was a survival mentality, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so now I think, I think China is kind of overcompensated. The, the, there's actually a huge, um, difference in wealth. The poor are still incredibly poor sure. and that's a large population of the countries in the country. But um, I think some of the, the big cities, they're incredibly rich. And those are the people that we get to see because we're obviously on the other side of the ocean. Right. Where, where they're coming to mm-hmm. yeah. for a better life. And they have vast amounts of money because generally it's it's manufacturing, right? And so um, I think they've overcompensated because they've had they've been living with this chip on their shoulder, right? We don't have enough food. 
to put on the table. I remember my dad talking about, um, he calls it, you know, which is like the hard times when oh. they would only be able to have one egg a day. This is during the Cultural Revolution? I, I don't know exactly if it's during that time, but it, it may be uh, a little bit before that as well. Sure. But it was a time when food was very, very scarce. And they were only able to eat so much. And I, I remember my dad telling me stories about why he loves his mom so much. His mom would actually sometimes sacrifice her daily ration to him so that wow. he, as a growing boy, could continue to grow. Right. And so now we have gotten to the point in China where you see like people don't even take doggy bags home. They don't pack up their food mm-hmm. because they're like, I'm not poor. Oh, I, I see. don't need this food. Mm-hmm. Just leave it. I can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is at least what my observations are. Mm-hmm. And so you also see it in overcompensation where they send their kids off to America or England or someplace where they can get a very good education. Mm-hmm. And those kids... Geez, Louise, they don't care. They're they're born into money, mm-hmm. and they think mm-hmm. that money is everything. Mm-hmm. So they own everything, mm-hmm. and so that's why sometimes you know I I think honestly like Arcadia School District, like when we were there, it was a pretty good school district. Mm-hmm. Test yeah. scores have dropped now mm-hmm. because of that influx of wealth oh. because those kids drive around in fancy cars mm-hmm. um and they don't get a they don't give a hoot about their grades because they have money you were gonna say and that's all else? that matters you they don't give a what a hoot, uh, hoot. oh <laughs> i thought i heard something else um yeah it so it's 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 like we're, we're we're bouncing back from one extreme to another and at some point you know hopefully uh, i'm i'm hopeful that we will reach some kind of a, a steady state but right now i i'm so ambivalent about how i feel about this the situation about being a mainland Chinese person. You're like one of the most, you, you've had one of the most succinct explanations for, I think what's happening in China, because all the people that I've talked to about it, like, so my dad works at a church now that's like mainland and Taiwanese population. And he feels really disconnected from what their mores are. Mores. Mores. Oh, thanks. You said it like four times. I had to correct you eventually. And that's also <laughs> said explanation. Expan- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> mores. So yeah. And then like, um, you know, so so he he deals with those teenagers. He deals with parents who don't want to parent, you know, and 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 um and then I've dealt with like or I've talked with my friends who are more international students, but they're they're from Japan, they're from Korea, they're from Singapore, and they hear different things, you know, and I, I, I think they're kind of like, What is going? And I'm like, I don't know. And like there's a disconnect in terms of like you and I share a lot of like um, of the similar kind of, I think like Confucian f- family structure values and hierarchy for better, for worse. But I don't get that sense when I talk to people from mainland, there's not a similar kind of, um, value on, uh, the hierarchy structure and like the same kinds of relationships that Confucian said were the most important, right? Like mother, daughter, father, son, and like all those, those other ones, like brother, sister kind of stuff. So I don't know. I, 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 I was curious, like kind of, you know, like what is, what is the recent trend? And you can like point to different things, but I think overcompensation is a good succinct way to see, say that like, this is kind of what's happening. Um, and my friend who's a Singaporean, she, she said there's this word out there, like yang su or jiang su or something like that. It means 
um, basically a fear of failure and she connects it to hoarding and to like the collecting of goods. Cause in the hard times they didn't have things, but now they have means and they have resources and there's places like Costco and target where you can like they, she talked about, or I heard a story about like people in Hong Kong are saying you can't buy out (laughs) our supply of baby food or our supply of uh, formula because, because it's cheaper here. Like you just can't like, because there's none on the Island for people in Hong Kong. And I'm wondering if that's kind of part of this mentality of overcompensation that you're, that you're talking about. Do you, do you know what stories I'm referring to? Um, a, a little bit, just that example is a really good example. I would say, um, I, I think it could be overcompensation with some like some kind of phenomenon, like something like that happening. But I also think it's just because in this generation, our generation, it's actually very similar in China where um, our generation is a little bit better educated. On average, you know, we are better educated, especially with the, the one child policy. Um, they've created essentially a, a country of what they call little emperors. Right. It's like only children. Everyone has only child syndrome. And so the parents want the absolute best for their children and they only have one to look after. So they're going to focus all of their resources on that. They were able to get better educated. The parents that had enough money would send their kids abroad so they could, they could get uh, exposure to other cultures and then, um, you know, hopefully, you know, find, um, a spouse or something, you know, out there and, uh, whatnot. And, And the ones that are in the that are still in mainland China are obviously thriving because, because of the level of development. Um, so then as our generation starts having kids, we as more educated parents want the best for our kids. And unfortunately this is, this goes back to my whole thinking of, I don't think China is there in terms of thinking outside of themselves yet. Mm -hmm. They are so focused on thinking of the, the near, the near term, they can't focus on the, the, the longer term. And what I mean is this manufacturing processes might not be the most, um, ethical. Mm -hmm. They might not be the highest quality. There might, you know, there, there's quite a bit that we just don't know. It's a big black box. We just know that they're cheap labor, right? So we outsource all of our manufacturing pretty much to China and we can manage them as, 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 well as we can, but we honestly can't be there 24 seven. So that's why you find things in China, especially Chinese run companies where there, there, there are no standards. Mm-hmm. You'll see, um, cardboard and random things in baby food. Mm-hmm. And so with a, a generation of more educated parents, they know that. Mm-hmm. And oh. that's why they would go to a place where ethics and morals are, they're just higher standards. Mm-hmm. And that's why they would buy out something like that. Oh, wow. Because, um, frankly, like my parents, um, my dad still lives in China most of the time because he takes care of his parents. My mom is here in America most of the time to help me with, you know, the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the single child right now, one to come. One on the way. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But um, my dad is like, I'm kind of afraid to, to eat food here. Cause I don't know what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me a story a few years ago. He went to a farmer's market, quote unquote, farmer's market. 
they were farmers. Mm-hmm. They were selling these gorgeous carrots. They were like, you know, they were waxy and they were um, orange and they looked really clean. And he was like, I'm going to get these carrots. And the next day they, he found them in his refrigerator and they had melted what? into a puddle of orange. It was a puddle of orange food coloring. <gasps> what? So he was like, <laughs> I just bought this from what I thought was a farmer. <laughs> And I don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm eating. Oh my goodness. That's so, crazy. Or maybe that's future food. Yeah. It's space food. Yeah, really? They're just so, of its time. so incredibly advanced. Yeah. Wow. Uh, my, it was really my dad's fault. He didn't store it properly. <laughs> he, he had to put it in his space refrigerator yeah, why do you not have liquid nitrogen <laughs> um, so you know things like that those are the things that that make uh, me really kind of raise my eyebrows to like you know I, I, I think we're still working on a lot of things I went to a 99 ranch with my friend um, who's Taiwanese and then she needed to buy some soy sauce so we were like standing in the aisle with all the soy sauce and she was looking at it and uh, I don't know I was just like whatever pick this one and then she looked at it she's like oh no it's made in China so she had to like specifically look for a Japanese manufactured one because she's like yeah you don't really know what's going to be in the Chinese soy sauce what? yeah yeah and I I think unfortunately that is the truth Dang, um, damn it guys you so were eating things made in China they were made here <laughs> they were made here but with he products made in china over. <laughs> the take out chinese well it's interesting because that's where i feel incredibly torn because i'm made in china mm-hmm. um and i kept i kept are saying, you gonna <laughs> turn into a pile of oh, total orange that was a setup for a musical number i think made in china melt into a pile <laughs> Um, so no it's it's interesting because um i I, i'm just like your friend where like i am simultaneously very proud of being chinese and i defend mainland china and i think it's you know it is part of who i am it is Mm -hmm. part of who we all are right i mean you you think back five thousand years and you're like that was a an awesome awesome culture gunpowder you know compass you know the printing press paper so there's a lot to be proud of there's a lot as part of our heritage but who we are today makes me very nervous and so number one seeing that that influx of wealth and the complete disregard for you know what we consider social norms and common decency um i hate those chinese tourists i was in maui and they came and i was like oh we have to leave now because it's like a swarm of them and they make themselves known. They scream and they screech and, and, and it's, it's, it's so obnoxious. And I don't think they realize that they don't, do, they don't do it on purpose, but mm-hmm. compared to our social norms and common decency standards, it's very obnoxious. Um, it also makes me really sad because I'm just like your friend and I will look at labels and say, if this is made in China, I will look twice. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I still buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, other times I'm, I just, I would rather not. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I mean, like just a few years ago, right. We had a lot of stories about lead in children's toys. Sure. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, we can have our, these American companies can have the standards that they do, but in terms of enforcing them, that's a whole other story. Sure. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's something I struggle with a lot. So you, I mean, you probably heard me, I use the term we interchangeably with we Americans versus we mainland Chinese people. 
I, I cannot reconcile that. Maybe I don't have to reconcile that, but that's, I, I will still use the term we. <laughs> no, <laughs> as you should. I, <laughs> yeah, I guess like, uh, d- did you know that, you, do you remember Tom Shaw? Tom Shaw, speech debate. Yeah. He's yeah, tall, bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, tall dude. Um, he made a documentary about, um, I think it's called. And Shaw, you mean X-I-A, not S-H-A-W. Indeed. Shaw. Shaw. <laughs> if I wanted to say the most Just Chinese... wanted to make sure that that is... You know, yeah. He, this guy's a Chinese guy. Yeah, not, he's a, not like an Irish no, guy. No, 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 He's <laughs> not Sean O'Hennessy Shaw. Uh, <laughs> but um, he he made a documentary about going... Oh, you, like, going through Christmas without products made from China. And he had an American family put everything in their house that was made in China into, like, a big storage unit. And then he had, like, they had to... Um, live like that and it was really expensive i actually haven't seen the whole thing um sorry tom but you know like it's it's like he uh uh you know like it's just it's really hard obviously and it's really expensive and um on the parallel line was about him reconciling this identity of like how do people feel about china and things that come from china and i think there is a lot of mistrust i mean some of it's warranted right but also like some of it is like the americans kind of feeding this machine and like and like a lot of like you know um other people kind of feeding this fear and paranoia of like well china has all our money and all our debt they could they could own us at any moment you know like there's all this like you know these like really um I don't know, like feelings bubbling under the surface about like, you know, um, who is China to us? And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's funny because like, I feel kind of more removed, but I'll still like cheer for China when they're playing soccer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like stupid things Do they like play that. soccer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, ch- the Chinese women's soccer team is kick-ass. Really? They're really good. Yeah. Wow. I wouldn't, I don't, can't say that for the men. Sorry. <laughs> But um, UMC. yeah, UMC. I always remember the Chinese. Um, <laughs> we're, we're gonna, gonna find really hot guys sports, there. I'm sure one day. The uh, floor exercises, the men's gymnastics. China's good. Yes, they oh, are yeah, incredible. They are incredible. Yeah, yeah. When you think about, um, you know, now you have a son who is a year, almost, almost two years, mm-hmm. and you have another one coming um, in as much time um do you think about like communicating like how how to communicate your your sort of dual culture or or just in general how you have already yeah I think now I understand more of like you know Vanessa and Crystal's heritage which is um when you're multiple generation Chinese it's really easy to lose a part of um a part of that heritage, for instance, just the language piece. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm choosing to speak Chinese almost, uh, I would say the vast majority of the time to Jonah. Mm-hmm. And so Chinese is his first language. He's an early talker like I was, but mm-hmm. Chinese is his first language. And then he actually learned English in daycare, but I, I Ugh, daycare, <laughs> just diluting the language, <laughs> teaching him English. <laughs> teaching him spanish <laughs> what is, hilarious. What is this? he absolutely came home one day and was like agua agua 
I was like, what? That's <laughs> Trilingual. Trilingual. So the funniest part is now my mom doesn't call it water anymore. She calls it agua. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> learning Spanish in this house. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think part of it is, you know, at least keeping the language. Um, and then, and then the second piece is exposing him to the culture. So one thing I absolutely refuse to do is to raise him in that country. Cause I just don't think we are ready to be in a country, um, in its current state. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I don't want him to grow up without, with that lack of common decency and the social norms that I'm used to. Mm-hmm. I like the social norms that we we in America have. Mm-hmm. It is, um, you know, things like etiquette and courtesy. You know, o- opening the door behind behind us, waiting in line, um, donating money to charity. Mm-hmm. That is a concept I think is still very much in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, quick quick side trip. Where do you think some of those come from? Like, because you you learn them from your parents, right? Or did you learn them from? like environments around you, like how much of that comes from you being, you know, Chinese American, you being Christian, you being, do you know what I'm saying? Like an an American, can I, can I just ask really quickly where you feel like you're drawing? That's a really hard question, but I would say it's more outside of my family because my parents came from a very difficult time. It's hard for them to think about just giving money away because they Mm. didn't have any on their own. Mm -hmm. My mom raised us on a single salary she earned $25,000 a year for a family of three. Mm-hmm. And she gave me the best that she could. I remember buying clothes from The Gap. We could not afford clothes from The Gap. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. But um, she did that because she just wanted to, to give me what she thought was the, the absolute best. Um, so like, you know, giving money away to strangers is hard, I think, mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. So I think a big part of that is is the Christian values. And I think because America is founded on Christian values, um, that's just a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. So whether people, you know, think about, um, you know, just being kind to one another and things like that, that is a part of the fabric that we live in. It's it's what it, it's what brings us together. Um, so You're I making think, me feel very patriotic right now. <laughs> but I think that's that's exactly what you were talking about, where like Megumi loves America. I love America because of that. It makes me really proud to be an American because it's saying, hey, we don't just think about ourselves. Um, we think about others as well. We help our 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 neighbors. Mm. Um, and obviously there's like exceptions to that. And I think, you know this these are vast generalizations but we're talking about culture so i think i would like to instill those values in jonah um and not so much have him live in a place where um they're not quite there yet Mm -hmm. yeah very cool and when we talk about too like what of besides language what of your um chinese uh aspects of yourself like that you want to pass on what are those can you identify anything besides language that you specifically want to make sure that he has in himself <laughs> let me think about this i have thought about this actually yes uh, well <laughs> the thing is i think the respect for your parents there is um a respect and a closeness i think that um especially um 
first and maybe second generation Chinese kids have with their, and I wouldn't even say Chinese, I would say Asians, Koreans, Vietnamese, whatever. Um, there is a closeness that we have with our parents that maybe culturally the, you know, the American society may not have. Maybe someone sees grandma and grandpa during the holidays or maybe once a month or something like that versus, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with everyone being on top of each other and everyone living in the same house like all the time. And um, I, I'm kind of dealing with that right now. It's a little bit too much, but <laughs> <laughs> that's but okay. That's that, okay to say you know, like regular interaction, frequent interaction and, and um, with with your family, with your um, parents specifically and that I'll call it filial piety, right? It's, it's, a, it's that Confucian term. Um, having that respect for your ancestors mm. um, is, is very important. So Jonah will call them, you know, uncle and auntie sure. instead of just Joe and Jane. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. I like that sign of respect. Uh, taking off your shoes in the house. <laughs> you have Amen. to take off your shoes in the house. Otherwise you're a barbarian. Yeah. We, we've talked about this, right? I give, times. I give, I give not Asians a pass sometimes though. <laughs> Nini <Yeah>. does not. <laughs> Everyone beware. Unfathomable. <laughs> have to keep your shoes on. Heathens. Yeah. But aren't you sometimes confused? Like, don't you ever go to white people's houses and they're walking around with their shoes on, but then their carpet is really clean. I don't, I don't understand. Not I don't deep know. down. Yeah, no, I don't under, I don't know how they do it. It's magical. It's, it's always been very confusing to me. Yeah, and their houses don't smell bad. Yeah. Yeah. And they're and things are like nice, like nicely decorated and stuff. Yeah. And neat. I haven't been in very many white people's homes lately. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing touch with this other side. <laughs> Vanessa's in her little Asian American bubble. Yep, yep. That's kind of how it's it, going down. It does kind of feel that way sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that was so weird because, like, the sh- the houses of white people when I grew up looked like the houses of white people on TV. And I'm like, how do they do that? Like, it's like, and why is my house so much more different? I think it's just like why is my stove covered in foil? (laughs) Why are my remote controls covered in plastic? (laughs) And the couches. And the lampshades. Yeah, Yeah, no, I like I like what you're saying though. Like it does really take a village. And I think that um calling auntie and uncle. Well, part part of part of it is like (laughs) well, like the idea of like having the whole family in on raising the the child, right? Like that's part of it. Having like respect for the people who Right, right. That too. Like I think she was identifying two parts, right? Like where there's free frequent interaction with um older people and then um also uh the idea of like like you call your mom mom and your dad dad. And then mm-hmm. you, you refer to your, like your parents, friends as auntie and uncle. Cause it's, then you bring them into the village, the family. And then, but then you also show them respect. Like, I'm not sure I would like be into the whole Korean bowing thing where they actually like have to like, I, I, I mean, okay, this is all hearsay obviously cause I'm not Korean, but you know, they have to immediately, you know, come into the room and identify where they are like how old they are or if they're some more senior or junior and then you can figure out how you bow to them. You know, like that's, that's a level of uh, <laughs> hierarchy that I'm not used to. And I think like as an American, you know, 
that I would be like, like very like, whoa, too much. And like we live mm-hmm. in a democracy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> she raises the American flag. I start saying the I pledge of allegiance. I will not call you uncle. I will not call you uncle. <laughs> We're all the same here. Uh, <laughs> But, you, you know, like there's, but I like, I liked that we had aunties and uncles and that we showed them respect. And then when we did it, it made, it was that much more of a big deal when we did it. And we were brats <laughs> and we were like deciding to be disrespectful. Yeah. It where your active bad. rebellion was not calling them auntie or, or uncle. Yeah. Yeah. You just look them in the eye. You can call <laughs> them by their first name. Boom, boom, boom. Defiant. Hey everybody, if you like what you've heard so far on episode 308, we encourage you to check out episode 213 called Etiquette. We sit down with Eric and here it is. When you're growing up in a um, kind of like culturally Chinese or Taiwanese Buddhist household, um, one of the ways that that um, works its way into your everyday life is that when you do something wrong, it's not just like, what would people in the community think? It's like, what? what would your ancestors think? I think another part that I would like to instill in Jonah is obviously, I said I don't want to raise him in China, but I also don't want to um, keep him away from that country. Right. I think, you know, annual visits, whatever, I would, I would love that. I think part of it is exposing him to be, in general, just a more global citizen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because we are a more global world now mm-hmm. where we can be connected to what's happening in Turkey and what's happening in Africa much more easily than 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, a big part of that will be him being connected to China. And when I say China, I also, I also mean um, Hong Kong. I also mean Taiwan. Uh, Jonah's dad, my husband, is his family is from Taiwan. MIT um, is he MIT? No, Thomas is born in Alhambra. Oh, lame. <laughs> he was MIA. Yeah, <laughs> missing in action. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so you know, we want to make sure that we expose him to that aspect too, because the cultural differences between mainland China and Taiwan are vast, because. Again, my theory is um, Taiwan was able to not lag where China lagged. So um. when the the Civil War happened and a whole bunch of people fled to Taiwan, they were able to develop that country, you know, in a way where, it, I mean, there was free trade with Taiwan long before free trade with China. Sure. And so then the 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 common decency and the social norms in Taiwan are much closer to what we would expect here. What about materialism? Like, and the value on material goods? Would you say they're comparable in the two countries in terms of value placed? The two countries meaning China and Taiwan? Yeah. Um, and what would have, what would he, what would he enlighten, like a more developed country in dealing with capitalism outside of the U.S. kind of look like, like Japan or Korea or, I'm just curious, like in terms of like, cause I feel like there's a, a very high value placed on like goods as long as they're expensive. Does that make sense? 
in mainland, whereas mm-hmm. Taiwan might be a little different, you're saying? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I think it's the same in America, too. Their expensive things are better. <laughs> well, but, but, it's, but it's like... <laughs> I mean, we're, we're like in the middle of the holiday season. Like, materialism? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you ask a tough question. I don't know how to answer that. But I will say that... Um, I think there is an overemphasis on materialism in China right now, because again, I think it is, it's, it's an overcompensation of what was before. They just got into the dog show game. What does that mean? Like, you know, competitive showing dogs, like dogs that cost $50,000 a piece. (sighs) Yeah. I can't imagine how that's going to spiral out of control. Cause I, I just see interesting pictures coming out about dog grooming in China. Oh really? Oh yeah, the, like the square heads, or is that Japan? Uh, might be. I no, I think from China, it's the ones where they make them look like other animals. Like they do tigers. that everywhere. Oh really? Yeah, they do oh, that. Man. Probably the most. They probably learned that from the United States. Stop it, United States! <laughs> Just teaching everybody bad taste. <laughs> make your well, dogs dogs. One thing that's really interesting, actually, that Thomas and I were just talking about, um, like a, a couple weeks ago, is the concept of hobbies. Uh huh. Americans have hobbies, yeah, like showing your dog, right, or whatever, making your dog look like or other like things, canoeing, right, or building birdhouses, <laughs> right. Yeah, having a workshop, having free time, basically, to, to not just free time, but 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 disposable income to put to something that simply interests you, right. Mm-hmm. It is not necessarily practical at all, right. Um, and. That's something I struggle with because I grew up in an environment where we didn't have all that much. So if someone asked me, what's my hobby? I don't think I have one. Mm -hmm. My parents for sure don't have hobbies. Right. Um, (laughs) I thought you were going to say canoeing. No, no. My dad's career is his hobby. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) My dad's an artist and he's, he, I think is um, a a, a huge anomaly Uh because his parents always encouraged him to do what he loved. Uh-huh. It was completely against the, the pragmatic nature, I think, of a lot of uh, Chinese immigrants. Uh-huh. So his entire life, he was fortunate enough to do what he loved. But, uh, I mean, going back to just the, the, the concept of hobbies, like, I would say the, the Chinese never really had hobbies before. Mm-hmm. It was survival. Mm-hmm. And now there's so much disposable income for a specific set of the population that they're doing that now. Yeah. Right? The $50,000 dog grooming. Yeah. Imagine if we got them into letterpress. What's letterpress? <laughs> I'm just thinking of like dyeing trades, like typesetting. <laughs> like people are like trying to do like antiquing kind of like or calligraphy or like, do you know what Wait, I'm if all Chinese people were like hipsters or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> they became hipsters. Like all the things would just fly off the shelves and then I could no longer buy them. <laughs> This is a depressing scenario. Well, I don't know if you, you might have heard on an older podcast where like it stressed me out because one day I was walking down the street and passed by a cafe and I saw these three, you know, middle aged Chinese men like relaxing. 
and like chatting and like having some chips and salsa. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I, thought, I thought part of it was just this the fact that they're stressing me out. Why are they just sitting there enjoying their lives? Why aren't they being angry at their children right now? <laughs> or or why are they not a, a chef that's like squatting by the side right. of the restaurant taking Peeling. a cigarette break? Exactly. Peeling vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I bet their kids are already doctors, so it didn't matter. They just they they were set. That's what they do. That's maybe. what they plan. And then or they maybe, were to go golfing maybe, after that. You know, they thought, hey, you know, maybe it would do me some good to have some leisure time <laughs> in this. <laughs> Nobody thinks that, do they? In the older Chinese generation. What were we talking about? <laughs> we're just, well, I kind of want to go back to uh, the differences between um, mainland, you know, and, and Taiwan. And is there anything specifically Taiwanese that uh, Thomas wants to instill into to Jonah? Or like besides kind of like getting to go back and stuff like that? You can ask... Thomas. I think I'm going to call him up right now. During a podcast with him. I honestly don't know. He's not super connected to his quote unquote Taiwanese roots. Other than the fact that he loves Taiwanese, Taiwanese breakfast. Oh yeah, that's the best. Yeah, so I'm I'm 100% sure Thomas is going to make sure Jonah loves eating Taiwanese breakfast. Yeah. yeah. HTP? Pastry? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's That's what we call it around here. I don't think I've ever had Taiwanese breakfast. I think <gasps> I've seen it, but I've never had it. It's like I, I imagine a, like a right, like a roll. Yep, a cruller. Cruller. What? Really? I it. feel like you read a lot of words, but you've never heard them pronounced in real life. Wait, how do you know it's cruller? A cruller? Because I hear that in you watch Food and Network? movies all the time. There is actually a. Okay, a Buffy joke about Cruller. What? I like to connect as much as possible to Heck Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> we should always bring it back to Buffy and Joss Whedon. That's actually the goal of this podcast, the secret goal, the unstated goal. Cruller. Well, no, I think it's not a donut. It's like a thing of rice. No, Maybe well, it's, it's just in my mind what I've imagined the Taiwanese breakfast to be. No, no, no. But you're it's like correct. there's something inside, right? Yeah, it's a Cruller. Okay. And it's like in between, in between, did I say that right? Cruller? Cruller? Yeah, cruller. Cruller. So, like, in between, there's, like, pickled vegetables. But a cruller is usually a type of donut type thing. Yeah. Not, like, a rice. It's a fried donut inside. The rice is rolled but around I... it. I've okay. had this. I've eaten it. All right. I put it into my mouth. <laughs> why don't you believe me? Can you back me up? You know why? Because you said cruller. And so I'm like, I don't know how verifiable all this information is. Well, maybe the Chinese pronounce it cruller. Your credibility went down when you when you mispronounced the first word. Pack me up. You're more you're more uh, you're more Chinese than me. I just feel like everything Thomas eats that's considered Taiwanese breakfast is like a rice ball. <laughs> that's what, yeah, exactly. it's, it's basically like, a load of uh, a load like of carbs, carbs wrapped in carbs. Yeah. Some of it is deep fried. Some of it is steamed, but mostly it's just carbs. And then it's like, uh, you know, soy milk and all that good stuff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what else? Hummus? No. What? Hummus? I heard hummus. I no. probably said Thomas. Oh, Thomas. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> so what else? What else? Okay, so it's deep fried. Deep fried breakfast items. I'll take a pause while Vanessa looks at her phone. Yeah, I'm trying to show you what it looks like. Ah, see, there it is. Okay, so that's the rice. That's the cruller or yao tiu, as they call it. And then inside is a layer of the pork sum, the dried pork, and then pickled vegetables. And it's so good. So good. <clears throat> it is very good. Honestly, I don't know why it's Taiwanese breakfast versus Chinese breakfast, because I, I had that stuff for breakfast, too. So, um, but You, know, you stole it from the Taiwanese. I, Admit it. We, we <laughs> absolutely may have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, um... Do you okay. have any last Chinese thoughts? <laughs> like, what are your final be, Chinese can thoughts? You, can you just a poem you, in, of Chinese? Are you, are you asking me to say my last thoughts in Chinese? <laughs> yes. Let me just clarify that question. Can you say Chinese things? Just even how I just like to hear other languages or like doing like an accent. <laughs> Accents are the glue of all my friendships. Uh, let's point out that Needy does a lot of really excellent accents. Some of them might be considered a little racist. I, I do do accents, but I will say my Chinese accent has become more Cantonese because of my years yeah. of exposure to Vanessa. Because it's so much easier to talk like Cantonese people. I know. You know Even Russell Peters know. loves the Cantonese. The Cantonese. Tonese. Be a man. Be, be a man. Yeah. Do yeah. the so right thing. I'm thinking about my like my Chinese fob, like my mainland Chinese. Like, BMW. <laughs> BMW. Notice, <laughs> notice how it doesn't sound as good as the Cantonese accent. I'm just want to point out. <laughs> you can do a really good Russell Crowe. What? <laughs> that takes a lot of like core muscles. I don't have that right now. But you have absolutely. to go real method and stuff. Yeah. Oh shoot! Well, can you tell us? A, can you um, tell us a beautiful uh, thing about China in Chinese? Like kind of how you would find on that book, and then just say China is big. <laughs> I just say translation: China is big. <laughs> no. Say things in Chinese. Say things in Chinese. Well, I'm I hitting my head on the mic. By the way, so. One thing that is actually really cool about um, me having Jonah now, who's uh, very much into talking, uh-huh. he's he's 20 months and he's such a big talker and he speaks, you know, both languages. And my mom teaches him some nursery rhymes in Chinese. Awesome. And it actually kind of brings me back to my, child, my childhood where uh-huh. I had forgotten a lot of these nursery rhymes. Uh-huh. But now Jonah says them and I, I remember them again. And uh-huh. it's cool because Thomas, who doesn't know a lot of these like at all to begin with yeah he's just learning chinese <laughs> does his family speak uh taiwanese his like dad Hakka? no no his dad um i think immigrated in the 1970s oh he talks to his dad like we talk to each other you know what i mean like no crystal you don't count you're like like a gazillion generation <laughs> but like thomas's yeah. dad came <laughs> And it's amazing because I remember one time I was like listening to Thomas talk on the phone. He's like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, who are you talking to? <laughs> right. And he's like, my dad. I was like, that's so weird. He's going to talk to your parents. Well, you just thought, a little bit, you thought yeah. my parents were white before you saw them. You're also like a bajillionth generation. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Crawlers. <laughs> 
I'm going to get um, that right one day. But yeah, there's a nursery rhyme that Thomas is learning right now. Um, he's learning from Jonah. Um, and it's like, it's like, it is so cute because like um, it means china is big yeah. china, is, china big. is big very big <laughs> very big <laughs> wait, wait, so it's cute because it's just like this cute little like nursery rhymes about like a little mouse and he goes on a ledge Ooh. and he's like stealing um oil to eat because way back then um it was um uh oil lanterns i guess yeah um and then he like I slips and he falls. <gasps> oh, yeah! It, like the chili guru is like that's when he like he kind of tumbles oh. off the ledge. But it's just a really cute little nursery rhyme. So those things I I want to preserve for Jonah as well. Yeah. If he could like learn some of those little nursery rhymes or, or um, I don't know any. They call it tang shi, but it's um it's Chinese poetry. Uh huh. And that's like the really beautiful stuff. And I and you can like learn to write it too. You can. And I think um, unfortunately for me, Chinese school has more than ruined that uh oh because they made you drill it i just Mm. i don't want to do it because it doesn't it's traumatizing to me you're not gonna put him to chinese school then no (laughs) cool um i not like soccer camp like chinese school that we went to right but i feel like when jonah's old enough probably someone in our generation right will create a chinese school that is not so Traumatizing. Traumatizing, exactly. And it'll be more what? like a Chinese immersion Nobody program. Nobody hitting each other with rulers when and, they're bad. And no, like, rote memorization. It's all, like, contextual, you know, application. We should, we should relevant. do that so that I can learn Chinese. Oh, shoot. Well, now I just gave it away on the air. <laughs> take it back. Take it back. Chinese, Chinese, cool. But it would be Thomas and Nini, so it'd be teeny. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, Thomas would be probably learning more than he would be teaching. Yeah, he'd be a pupil. <laughs> the first pupil. <laughs> um, quick question. Uh, this is selfish for me, but my my um, my grandma told me about, you know, the story of like Fa Mulan, right? Or Fa Mulan in uh, Cantonese. And the Fa Mulan. Idea- because she is Cantonese. Hua <laughs> Mulan. Come on. Man, <laughs> and she broke the podcast. She's <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Let me try again. Come on, man. I know. Way to go, Disney. Way to mix those dialects. But I wonder. She was saying that that story comes from mothers and daughters, like learning at the loom how to how to sew, and the the rhythm. Okay, you don't know what I'm talking about. And the rhythm of them learning how to sew. Um, goes with the uh, the rhythm of the poem and the story, the epic the epic poem story. Mm. So I was I wanted to know if you had also learned that growing up, but the answer might be no. I didn't Aww. spend too much time in front of the loom. But, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Next I, to I your oil like lanterns, <laughs> <laughs> like by the oil lantern, like her and Jonah, like like learning calligraphy, and then like crouching tiger, like happens right behind them. <laughs> I just, I just, like... These are all things Chinese, yes. Yes. <laughs> and then Thomas is eating crullers in the back. It's going to be so amazing. He's like, rice balls, so good! <laughs> and he's chewing. Joe, you better learn... Aww. <laughs> it's still recording. Don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, no, I will... I can ask my mom about that. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah, I just wonder if there's, like, a, a northern Chinese um, version of that. Just because we are, like, from two different worlds. You know, one from north, one from south. 
It truly is the glue of all my friendships. Accents. <laughs> Keeping it together. Also patriotism. Patriotism? What did I even say before patriotism? It was like patriotin. <laughs> You're patriating and end scene. Well, do you have any have last headache, Chinese words for us? No, I already gave you my nursery rhyme. Did that it was pretty amazing. <laughs> do you have? Can you, you have, sing it or say it in like a womanly voice? She, that was her womanly voice. No, you're saying it like a la la like. His. Yeah, that's how you're supposed to say it. No, you don't say it in a woman. What? <laughs> Wait, can you can you Sha use la it? La oh I'm taking off my headphones. Nini always delivers. I'm I'm just thinking of that scene from Anastasia. Grandmama, it's me, Anastasia. Can I just point out anyone else? That's yeah. No, that's the first Anastasia quote that we have, and she's just like flopping around. She's obviously some Russian prostitute. So good. Thank you, thank you for that Anastasia reference. We we talk too much about Joylet Club, but not enough about Anastasia. Yes. Although maybe you can't talk too much about Joy Luck Club. Why? One day quit. <laughs> Next day play. Yeah, I bet you have a really good Joy Luck Club quote. I I don't remember too many quotes actually. What blasphemy? Get out! No, the Get only out. thing I really is like is is like ingrained is you know is Waverly. <laughs> I can only just think about like Waverly. There's more to that. That's it, though. I guess that's what we're doing for the rest of the day. We're we're kind of have you brush up on your Joy Luck Club because that was a dismal display. Of <laughs> Joy Luck Club quotery. I hang my head in shame. Oh, that's a good place to stop. Hang hang her head in shame. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you, and then everything just goes on. <laughs> Thanks, Made me feel Nini. real good about myself. No <laughs> <laughs> <Little> self-esteem. <laughs> Here you are. Oh, I got a headache. <laughs> Laughing too hard. Good. <laughs> That's what you get for having all that joy in your heart. I know. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have any, like, major concluding thoughts. I just want to... I don't know. I just still kind of struggle with the whole mainland China identity thing. It's, um... It's tough. It's tough because, um, well, I, I won't even say mainland China. I would just say like almost like new immigrant China thing to be associated with them. Um, it, it makes me very ashamed sometimes, um, especially seeing all those terrible drivers out there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's understandable, right? It's understandable. They never drove before. Right. Right. So they're learning at a much older age than the average American when we're, you know, getting behind the wheel at 15 and a half. And like, you know, right. it's very, very different. And so I, I can't really blame them. But at the same time, holy moly. Um, and at the same time, it's like, you know, again, these these are my people. These mm -hmm. are our people. Right. And so. Yeah. I, I can't I can't just push them inside and be like us versus them. And that's not that's not right either. So I don't know. We'll see. And I, I think you're you you guys asked really great questions about how I'd like to instill some of the things in, in Jonah and w what aspects of that do I want to instill? Huh, I'm still working on that. But I like that you're conflicted in thinking about it because I think a lot of people don't. A lot of people either like separate themselves, right? You know, yeah. or are not conscious of it. So. Yeah. I will say for me, especially like I come from a, 
um, a specific generation of, I, I'm the first wave, I think. I'm part of the first wave of immigrants from mainland China. Because Taiwan opened their borders a lot earlier, right? Like Thomas's dad being able to come in the 70s. Or maybe it was even the 60s. I don't even know. But way earlier. And we came in the 80s. And that was pretty much the first wave of mainland China immigrants. What about my dad? Um, no, you guys are Cantonese. You guys are like, you guys are like. So we don't belong to the contiguous China? Contiguous. <laughs> contiguous? Yes. It's not an I. It's a U after the G. Oh. I've heard you say that a few times on the podcast. Too. I wish you would tell me sooner. <laughs> so I don't have to say it like a dummy. You said it yourself. Very big difference between the north and the south. <laughs> no, honestly, you guys are like your own class with with the you know the um, the railroads in San Francisco. I mean, you guys absolutely were the first. But in terms of like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, like what we know now as like yeah these these mainland China immigrants. Um, I I feel like I identify a lot with their children. Where it's kind of like, uh, and a good portion of those children completely um, separate themselves from the Chinese. I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily separate myself from them. No, I think this was a good conclusion to all of our thoughts and questions. Who are you, China? I think that's that's good. That'll do it. That's that's game set match. Bingo. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nini. Bye. Thank, thank, thank you. <laughs> Hua Mulan. Hua Mulan. Hua Mulan.